Uh, Heavenly Father, we pray you send your spirit into the house this morning and, and uh, rest upon us. Uh, give us the empowerment and the guidance that we need to be salt and light in the world this week. I pray, Lord, that you will strengthen us where we are weak, that you will remind us where we have forgotten. You will sharpen us where we have become dull. And that uh, you would, uh, in all these ways, enable us to make progress in the kingdom uh, unto a blessing and eternity in Christ's name we pray. Everybody says... Thank you. Last time I preached, uh, we talked about the race. We talked about how life is a race, a long race, but not as long as, uh, as we sometimes uh, think. Uh, we read from Psalm 90, teach us to number our days correctly that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Life is short. We only have so many days uh, on this planet in this life. And appreciating that life is fleeting, appreciating that, you know, death is coming for all of us, that we only have so long, is actually enormously helpful in reaching eternity, uh, which is the point, eternal life. We sometimes forget that. We're all trying to, um, to graduate uh, to the rich life that comes next. Thinking about uh, fleeting days, thinking about death itself isn't, isn't really... It's not really morbid and, and depressing, necessarily. It's actually, it's actually wise. So we need to be aware that the clock is ticking and keep racing onward. So here's our warm-up question in light of that. Uh, how do you do it? In what way do you race and keep racing in life? What's your strategy? What's your method for keeping on? What's your method for keeping on? All right, go ahead. I'll give you 60 seconds to discuss that with the person next to you. If you don't know the person next to you, this is a great time to be awkward, uh, which is a high blue water value. You know, you can just like reach across language barriers and social barriers. Like, what's your method for keeping on? That's the question. What's your method for keeping on in life? What's your method for keeping on? If you absolutely don't want to play, just sink really, really low in your chair. All right, thank you. Thank you for playing. For how many of you, was that kind of a hard question coming out of the blue like that? Hard question? It's your method for keeping on. Yeah? For how many of you, was that an easy question? Oh, yeah. Here are, here are six quick answers. How many of you just aren't paying attention and will never trust me and answer questions that I ask? Yeah, fantastic. Veterans. Uh, what are some good answers? Anybody hear any good answers for keeping on? I'm just interested. Anybody? Yeah? You, you, faith. Faith. Faith is a method. That's interesting. Yeah, I'd have to work that out, but that's very provocative. I like that. Yeah? Singing is your method for keeping on. That could be unpacked. There's something about uh, singing, uh, singing to God, uh, perhaps, something like that. Yeah, others? Doing what I need to, regardless of how I feel. Yeah, yeah, that's worth writing down. That's a useful life skill. Uh, not letting your feelings run everything in your life. That's a great method for keeping on. Yeah, 
What else? One or two more? Friends, friends in faith, fellowship, co-travelers. Oh, yeah, that's a tremendous method uh, for, for keeping on. One more. Steve. Celebrating small victories. Great method for keeping on. I love, I love these answers. When you hear them, you're like, yes, that person has thought about keeping on. There, there's some uh, wisdom in, in that. I think... Um, so many good answers, and, and the richness of a question like that is that, you know, there's no right answer. It, it, it's just, it's just a, an appeal to wisdom. You know, what's working for you? What is proven for you? And I think that's the right way to think about these questions. We are living an uncommon life, this kingdom life, this life of faith. It is supernatural, meaning unnatural, abnormal. Uh, and so you really have to be intentional and, and, and and, and work hard and think through what works for you. I think step one is you have to know what you're trying to do in life. What exactly are you trying to do? We know we're trying to make it to eternity, uh, but how exactly is that done? What are the steps? That's the first thing that we need to think about because before you have a way of getting things done, you have to know what it is that you're trying to get done, right? Um, and uh, answering that question is, is often a big part of our discipleship in Christ. We're doing this sermon series on, uh, on the whole race, A to Z, we're calling the, the sermon series. Uh, knowing like, how to begin, that's A. Knowing how to end life, that's Z. And there are a bunch of letters um, in, in between. It's a sermon series about knowing where you are in the arc of life in particular, the arc of faith life, knowing, I don't know, what stage you're at, where you're growing, what's important. You have to know where you are so, not, so that you know what you have to do, and so that you don't drift, because drifting sucks. Drifting kills. In life, in life of faith, the big danger is not just quitting. The big danger is drifting. It's the spirit of, eh. That's what kills souls. That's what robs us of kingdom living. Uh, and so our takeaway from the sermon the last time I preached was you have to avoid gaps in life. You know, uh, every once in a while, you'd be cruising through life, and you realize, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm in a gap. There's really not a lot of interesting spiritual things going on for me right now. I'm not doing a ton of fruitful spiritual work. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of just cruising. I'm kind of just drifting. And as soon as you find yourself in one of those periods of life, it's time to pull the emergency cord, because that's, that's danger. That is death. And learning to recognize a gap or a drift for what it is, number one survival skill uh, for someone interested in living uh, the life of faith. Uh, you want to be a, a champion marathoner? That's a great analogy. Uh, what goes into being a champion marathoner? You know what you want to do? You want to run 26.2 miles fast. How many of you ran the Honolulu Marathon this year? How many of you are still working on finishing it? Yes, it's a long ways. 
That's a long race. Every year we have a handful of people do it. Well, there's all sorts of components that goes in, go into being a, a marathoner, particularly a, a good one. You have to know what goes into a good race. You have to think about pace. You have to think about surges. You have to think about hydration during the midst of the race. But really, running a good marathon is about what goes into good training, right? You have to know about long runs and aerobic capacity. You have to know about speed work and getting a lot of turnover in your feet. And if you've done any running at all, you know uh, about these terms. Uh, you have to know about, you know, oh, the lifestyle that supports training because it's training for a marathon that's really difficult. You have to know about nutrition. You have to know about rest. Uh, you have to know about the gear and the shoes and stuff like that. You want to get good coaching. You want a good posse. You want a good training group. You want good medical care, depending on where you are uh, in the process. There are lots of things that go into finishing that race well, and life is a lot like that. You have to know what it is that you're trying to accomplish and what you need and put it together. A lot goes into how to make it in the life of faith. So that's what this sermon series is about, you know, how to make it, sort of A to Z, where you are, what goes into where you are. Jesus talked about it like that quite a bit. Sometimes these days, I'm afraid that uh, spiritual life gets presented as, you know, something like a, a simple decision. Just believe, make the decision, boom, okay, you're in. Now, hold on until you die. Uh, but that's not how Jesus talked about it. He talked about the kingdom of God or the order of heaven on earth. And he said that the battle was to enter into it, you know, to be entering into it, to live in God's order instead of living in the world's order. Uh, he never said to anyone, agree with me, believe these things. The only thing he ever said was, follow me, do what I do discover what I know. He always presented the life of faith as an incredibly dynamic journey. It was a lifelong sort of movement that involved doing stuff, ministering. It was a process. It was one of growth and purpose and constant overcoming, one of his favorite words in a number of his teachings, overcoming breaking through, winning through, depending on your translation. Stand firm, and you will win life, he said in Luke chapter 21. He tells this parable of, of the soils and seeds. You know, some seeds fall on bad soil. They don't sprout. Other seeds fall on shallow soil. They sprout. They get started, but but then stuff gets in the way, and the life just dies off little by little. Some seeds, he says, fall on good soil. They have deep roots, and they grow up, and they produce a harvest. They produce things. They produce fruit. And he said that's, that's how the successful life in the kingdom is. It's, it's a life of deepening and working and producing fruit. Very, very challenging uh, the way that, that he phrased it. Uh, one of the things we say around Blue Water a lot is every mission needs a method. Everybody has a life purpose. Uh, the key to following through on it is coming up with a methodology. How are you going to pursue your life purpose today? You've got to break it down into routines, and habits, chores, 
if, if you will. Every mission needs a, a method. And if we're talking about making it into eternity, living in the kingdom of God on earth, following Jesus, walking with the Spirit, overcoming, if we're talking about any of those things, well, you're going to need a method. You're going to have to figure out exactly how to go about doing it. And this is how the early Christians thought about it. And this has always fascinated me when I read the histories of, of the early church, particularly as they're presented in, in Scripture. I know there's, uh, every so often, some of our Ohana groups uh, go through the book of Acts together. I think like Julie and the Hafner's group, you guys are doing that right now. You're going through the book of Acts, uh, which is our earliest history of what happened immediately after Jesus went to heaven and, and the original disciples and leaders were trying to figure out, well, now what do we do? What do we do next? And one of the things I noticed when they talked about what they were doing is that before anything else, they called what they were doing the way. The way. Have you noticed this when you read the book of Acts? What are you guys up to? Well, we're following the Lord according to the way. The way. And the Greek word uh, for way in the book of Acts, hados, I think it is, uh, literally translated means the way. They use it exactly like we use the English word way. It can mean a road or a path, or it can mean a manner of getting something done, uh, a manner of exploiting it. And what's remarkable to me is what they didn't call what they were doing. Uh, they didn't call it the church. They didn't call it the faith. They certainly did not call it a religion. They just said, oh, this is the way to do it. This is the way to do the life that, that God wants. Uh, a couple of scriptures in your program. Uh, there are scriptures like this all over the book of Acts, but I just uh, chose uh, a few samples um, from Acts 19, this is when Paul was in Ephesus. Some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Um, also about Ephesus. About that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. That's how they referred to life with Jesus, the way. Uh, from uh, Paul's explanation of his early life when he was persecuting Christians. He said, I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. Always referring to it as, as uh, the way. Uh, lots of other similar references uh, from uh, the beginning of, of Paul's life with Jesus. Paul persecuted those who followed the way. He said in Acts 18, we read about how two uh, famous uh, leaders of, of the day, Priscilla and Aquila, took in another up-and-coming leader, Apollos, to explain the way of the Lord to him more accurately. And that's really what the, the book of Acts is about. People are like, well, Jesus taught us a bunch of things. Uh, we saw him do a bunch of things. How do we go about doing stuff now? And, and if you read the book of Acts in the early chapters, it's pretty simple. Well, you know, you've got to trust Jesus. You've got to get baptized. You've got to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You've got to be radically generous with people, and you have to gather people in. That's what the way was. 
and then persecution started to happen, and things got a little more complicated. And then it turned out that God wanted them to take the way to non-Jews as well and to spread it around the globe. And, and there are all these arguments, sometimes really significant arguments among Christian leaders about what the way involved. Um, the book of Acts is about, you know, the guys figuring out what went into uh, the life. And the reason I'm stressing this is because in some way we've been figuring it out ever since. The challenge that is before anybody who wants to follow Jesus in faith, the challenge before anybody who wants to be a, a God follower is that they've got to figure out the way to do it. That's how Christians have been thinking for literally millennia. Well, what's, what's the way to get this done? What is it that we're trying to do? What is vital and, and what are the best, best methods to, to pull it off? And over the ages, different people have come up with slightly different methods, different traditions, um, different individuals you know, will have different methods, things that work for them. Some of it is negotiable. Uh, some of it fairly elemental. At Blue Water Mission, we're thinking about this all the time. We're thinking about, well, what, what is the best method? What are the best ways? What are the best means to kind of help people make appropriate progress in their life of faith? And, and we've come up uh, with a few things. Uh, one of the things that we've realized is that uh, a big key ingredient that you have to realize that what people need is reinforcement and coaching more than they need simple teaching. I could teach you all the fundamentals of the gospel, of the basic message in, well, I mean, an afternoon, easy. It wouldn't take very long at all. It's actually fairly simple. What's hard is walking it out day after day after day. And so what we need from each other is, is coaching. We need encouragement. We need co-travelers, as Camille said before, to make sure that we stay on it, that we follow through, to develop a culture of coaching. We say that culture is the best coach. We want everybody mindful uh, all the time, uh, helping one another uh, along. Uh, we uh, really respect everybody's individual journey uh, at Blue Water, uh, but, but there is a a way, uh, a method to get the elemental things done. You know, if I asked you to write a list of, of our way at Blue Water, uh, uh, those of you who have been around for any length of time would probably jot down similar things on your list. Go to church on Sunday. Um, go to newcomer's class uh, if you're new. Uh, get into an Ohana group so that you have a, a traveling posse uh, with you. Uh, go to a Holy Spirit retreat, sort of jumpstart uh, your supernatural life and conversation with God directly. Uh, get involved in serving in some fashion, you know, start, start your ministry journey, and then eventually figure out your ministry, what God is calling you to do uniquely in the world, and try to grow and mature in that thing, and then raise up others uh, to do it with you. And, and sort of our, our corporate means uh, for getting stuff done. Um, I, uh, I do think about this uh, a little more uh, structurally. I was thinking about it uh, recently. We've, we've come up with different ways over the years to kind of express it. Uh, here's 
That's our latest try to um, sort of help people understand where they are. And we have a graphic. We have a graphic. Everybody, please. Ooh. I don't think you appreciate the magnitude. <laughs> of course, I didn't make this graphic. Uh, I, uh, I had Quack do it. He's great. Yeah. So he's, he's, uh, he's classing me up uh, a little bit. But this is a way around Blue Water that, that we're, uh, we're thinking about it. Um, this is kind of uh, what you want to make sure to get done in life. First, you want to seek. To seek. I'll talk about that uh, in a second. Then you want to decide, uh, which is a better word than uh, to believe, at least at the beginning. You want to decide. Uh, you want to try. Oh, there's nothing more basic to Blue Water than try, right? Faith is trying. Uh, then you want to change. Uh, you could say you want to grow or you want to deepen, but I like the word change because it gets to the heart of it. Like, yeah, you want to be different uh, this year than you were last year. And then you want to change others, which sounds a little bit rude, but, but you know, we want to influence people. We want to be salt. We want to be light, and we want to do that intentionally. And then you want to multiply what you're doing. I'll define that in a minute. And then you want to continue. You want to keep on which is a super vital kingdom skill that I think people sometimes neglect. Uh, the key to a successful life race is continuing to keep at it. Can I talk about some of these things? Just food for thought, uh, and then uh, I'll tell you uh, what I think it should produce in you uh, right now, and then over the coming Sundays, we'll just kind of go through these and talk about them in terms of life arc and uh, different things that we can be about in each season. Uh, number one, to seek. Uh, the seeker is kind of the most important person in any gathering uh, of Christians. Jesus is very clear about this. He says that uh, a really good shepherd, a godly shepherd, would be willing to leave 99 sheep to go chase the one sheep uh, that needs a little extra guidance, that needs to find its way uh, so I just really love people who show up with a seeking attitude. They don't even know if they believe in God yet. They don't know exactly what they think about this following Jesus business. But they're intentionally, honestly seeking the truth. That sort of person, I find, is a rare person in the world. Uh, we don't have a big truth-seeking culture uh, like we used to. It's never been incredibly common, uh, but I think um, it's, it's getting shouted down a lot in our culture, our popular culture uh, these days. I think a lot about how to create seekers, how to get people interested in seeking. Um, can start by just assuring you that Jesus thought it was a really important step. Ask, seek, knock. Knock and the door will be open to you. Uh, Jesus said. Uh, he said to his disciples once when they questioned him as to the meaning of a parable that he told. He said, to you has been given the secret to the kingdom. You are following up with me. You are seeking the answer to things that you don't understand. He went so far as to say, that is the secret to kingdom life. Seeking answers. Seeking after things that you don't yet understand. I just wish that I could impart passion for 
seeking answers, for seeking revelation to like everyone that I meet. Um, it's been one of the keys to my life. I, I've, I've kind of become a seekaholic. I'm kind of a learnaholic. I'm kind of nonspecific about it even. Like I will, uh, I, I, if I encounter something I don't understand, I don't know how <clears throat> a machine works or, you know, there's an, there's an element of history that I haven't figured out. You know, I am on Wikipedia almost every day. Uh, and some of it is just sort of my own lack of focus, uh, but there's something about that that's really good. It's like, no, I mean, learn things. Learn things. Seek answers in life. And, of course, there's nothing more important than seeking God for answers. Do you lack direction? I mean, seek. Seek. Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. You don't, you don't have because you do not ask. You know, we heard that verse quoted earlier in, in our worship set. Um, um, the secret to the kingdom is, is seeking. And maybe you're at that stage where you just need to really go after it. In part, you're going after it because you're here today. One of the things that amazes me is that people can just sort of stay right on the cusp of seeking for a long time. They're not seekers. They're attracted, but they're not seeking yet. You know, they've got the sense of something good, but they're not following the trail yet. If you're a seeker, God bless you. Like I say, you're like the most important person in the church in terms of urgency and, and pursuit. You know, this place is kind of designed for you. But if you're going to seek, get after it. Ask questions. Ask questions. Almost no more vital life skill than that. At a certain point, seeking should lead to deciding. You want to decide. I think that's really what believing is about. You have to decide if you're going to believe. You're going to decide what to believe. Now, that is a decision. The Lord has given us free choice, and we have to learn to make big decisions in life. I think one of the things that stunts people in this world is that they're just really uncomfortable making big life decisions. And so they go through life hoping to fall into decisions, you know, hoping to fall into the right relationship or to fall into the right job or to find themselves living in the right place, doing the right stuff. You know, they don't look for doors. They look for like holes to fall into or something. Um, and sometimes people get presented with a big life decision and they freeze, they panic, they, you know, it just really you know, fries their circuits. So decision-making is a hugely important life skill. And of course, there's no more important decision than to believe in God. Uh, we'll talk about that a little more in subsequent sermons, but it changes everything. Jesus would say things like, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. It's like, look, you gotta, you gotta decide. You can't just flirt with the life of faith, right? You can't put your hand to the plow. You can't go to work and, well, I, maybe I'm gonna do that, maybe not. He says, it's, it's gonna kill you, right? You're gonna get left behind if that is your attitude. Don't be a flirt, uh, be a decider. You have to participate in things wholeheartedly. 
uh, to the degree uh, that you can. You know, this is the point uh, where you, you get baptized. I mean, baptism is a ritual that Christians have been using for centuries. You know, it symbolizes death and a new life. You know, like fundamental rebirth. Jesus described it as being born again. You have to be willing to have these watersheds in life, these fresh starts. I don't know what's happened to humanity that that has been beaten out of us, but, you know, be willing to decide. And then once you've decided that you do believe that this is what you want to go after, the vital skill is to try. And I Again, I don't really need to talk about this very much to Blue Water veterans. Try is the word that's on our church t-shirts. It's in all of our literature. Faith is trying. It's not what you believe. It's what you do with what you believe. Faith is doing the things that your belief compels you to do. Jesus talked about this constantly, constantly. He said, those who hear my commands and do them, or follow through on them. It's like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. He said, those who hear my commands and don't do them, that's like a guy who builds his house on sand. As soon as the storms of life come, as soon as the pressure comes, it's just going to all fall apart on you. You are either following through on what you believe, you're either trying things, trying new things, and trying the next things, or you're falling apart. There are only two choices. Uh, And so we try to coach each other to keep trying. Failure is an option. But failing to try, never an option around Blue Water Mission. And that's a culture that we try to encourage uh, a lot. Uh, We have these five discipleship questions uh, that we talk about a lot. How many of you can recite the five discipleship questions? Raise your hand. I won't ask you to do it. Let's go through your head. You better be able to recite the five discipleship questions. I will ask again. How many of you can recite the discipleship questions? All right. Eight. Perfect. I knew it. What's God saying to you uh, recently? What are you doing about that? How are you following through? What's hard about that? Um, Who are you bringing along in it? How can I help you? That's five simple questions encouraged to, um, designed to encourage us to follow through on what the Lord is telling us. Then to change, to grow and learn. I mean, once you get active, once you're on the job, well, you realize you have to change. That's really where things start to come together for us to grow and to learn. You realize that there are things that you don't know. You realize what it is that you have to figure out. You have to learn about yourself. You have to learn about what thwarts you, what sins get you tangled, what things that you really can't get free from. That's helpful. And you have to know about uh, God and how he works uh, in your life. You know, sermons are designed for that sort of learning. Our Ohana groups, our small groups, every week uh, contain a truth discussion and sharing. This is all designed for change. Are you changing year to year? Uh, We have more specialized ministry, our Sozo ministry, uh, ministry teams that train and help people to grow in specific ministry ways. Failure to change will kill you very quickly. If you're not changing year to year, you will feel stagnant, and you'll begin to think, well, I mean, what's this about anyway? And, and, you know, the, the chaos of life will crowd in. Change or die. Change or die. You know, and no matter how old you are, you should still be changing uh, greatly. People get stuck here. This is where people get stuck in a big way. They just fail to change the things in their life. They accommodate stuckness. 
in a way that destroys them over time. You want to help others to change. Um, we are salt and light. Jesus says if salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing but to be thrown out. We are supposed to be influencers. Let's not be bashful or shy about that. We want to bring other people along, inspiring them, encouraging them, instructing them. And that's a growth edge for many of us right now. How are you ministering to the people around you? Again, those simple discipleship questions are really valuable here. I learned that from Jesus. One of the thing he did, things he did wherever he went is that he asked people questions. He provoked. And we are the most provocative people on earth. Not in a mean way. We're incredibly loving, incredibly generous, incredibly compassionate, but really provocative. And some of us are learning to do that. It's hard. It's a hard lesson but we're learning. That is appropriate to your life stage uh, for many of you. Then you want to multiply what we're doing. Once you get the hang of it, you want to create more people like you. Be fruitful and multiply. Like the first command that God gave the human race. Make, make more of you. Like spiritually. God made us in him in image. We raise up people in our image. Knowing that we're not perfect, but to give away the good things uh, that we have you should have disciples. You should have people that you're bringing up. That's what mature faith life is about. You know, you don't have to have 12 people that follow you around all the time, like Jesus' case, but you need to have people that you're bringing along. You need to multiply yourself, and you also need to multiply the communities that you're part of. If you're in an Ohana group, you want to multiply that group. You want to make more groups. We are uh, what's called a church. We want to plant more churches in places that need them. Multiplication is the rule of the kingdom of God. It's like a mustard seed that grows to become the largest plant in the entire garden, Jesus said. Multiply who you are. Multiply what you do in the world. And then, of course, you want to continue on. One of the great skills of the kingdom, and one that is often discussed in the records of the early church. Paul boasted to his protege, Timothy, at the end of Paul's life, I have finished the race. Whew! That was hard. But we want to finish. We want there to be no gaps. And a lot of us just get stuck there. We stop racing at a certain point. All right, so a little preview uh, to what's coming up. Um, I think a provocative way to think about things. You know, where, where are you on the wheel? The thing, about, the thing about this is that it's not always linear, and it's not the boundaries between one stage and the other are, are not neat. In fact, I, I don't even know that there should be boundaries. Once you become a seeker, once you seek after the reality of God, once you start trying to figure out whether there is a God or not, something like that, well, you should never lose your ability to seek in life, right? You could be following God for 40 years and still be seeking answers to questions, right? One of the terrible things that happen to to kids who are raised up in the church is that from the early days, they are given answers. They are told what to believe, but they are never given the skill of seeking, right? which is different than being told what to believe. It's like, hey, figure it out. Go figure out how to figure out. Chase down your own answers. You have to learn how to learn. And then they leave home. Maybe they go away to college or they move away for their first job or something like that. And the first time a challenge to faith comes, 
their faith falls apart. And there are just incredibly depressing statistics about this. Like after, I don't know, two or three years of college, something like 75% of youth that were in youth groups in their homes are not even attending church anymore. And I think the reason, the big reason for that is that they don't, they don't know how to contend. They don't know how to seek. That's just one example. Once you learn how to decide and to make big decisions in life, oh man, get ready. Because as you live with Jesus, there are going to be numerous occasions where you have to make firm decisions again. Decisions that have no guaranteed result. You're going to have to do it on faith. And you have to keep that skill going, right? So once you pick it up, carry it forward. Um, once you start changing, you know, you're going to change forever. Once you get involved ministering to people and influencing people, you're going to find that there are a lot of people, you know, and they keep coming, and you've just got all these relationships. Anyway, it's not so much a neat wheel as it is a, a web you know, a matrix type of thing. Uh, but there'll be one thing that the Lord is working on with you right now, uh, one thing for you to contemplate. And that's why I hope this sort of wheel is, is useful uh, to you. So a question that we need to be asking ourselves in all humility and all honesty is like, you know, are, are we stuck? Are you stuck? Are you drifting in life right now? Are you just sort of coasting? If you are then, you know, it's good to think about our method. <laughs> it's good to think about the way. All right, okay, what's, what's the way to keep on? What's the way to stay on target? What's the way to finish the race? What's the way to fight the good fight today? What's, what's the means? What are the routines? What am I supposed to be thinking about and working on? Those are the diagnostic questions that you need to ask yourself all the time or your feet will be taken out from under you. Are you following me? So just say amen. Chihu, snaps for Jesus. Give a high five to the person next to you. That's a way I have of seeing that you're still, you're still engaged. So we're going to go through these things more or less one by one. We're going to talk about, you know, seeking and changing and changing others and stuff like that. And we're going to talk about certain tools that we have um, to kind of help us develop tools like the discipleship questions, like the zillion slogans we have, like discipleship is follow through and stuff like that, and kind of hopefully raise awareness of how exactly it works around here. Not every church has to do things like we do it, but, but they, need their, they need a way, right? There needs to be some method uh, that you pursue. So I want to make sure that everybody understands our method such as it is. Um, so that it's helpful, uh, so that we can stay on it, so we can constantly fertilize ourselves and turn over the soil and grow and, I don't know, choose your metaphor, but keep on keeping on. Everybody say, keep on keeping on. The enthusiasm was fantastic. We'll keep it simple, uh, as is appropriate, because every method uh, needs to be simple. Here's what I expect out of this series. Here, here's, here's how I expect God to be working with us as we go through these, uh, these things, as we go through this series. I expect God uh, to, to be convicting individuals, different ones of us, 
about drifting at various points? You know, have you gotten stuck, right? Is there something about you that you kind of know you need to change, but you've just figured out how not to change it, you know? Um, I expect God to be speaking into things like that and saying, yeah, that's, that's really not good. That will choke you out over time, you know, so let's get on that. And, and I want to do this together and in our Ohana groups, and you should all be in one, uh, so that you know, we can make it. We can make it to the end because eternity is a really big deal, and we've only got so many days to work it out, and none of us are getting any younger in spite of my youthful appearance. You know, are you a stalled seeker? Are you too busy to pursue change? Have you decided just to put things off? One of the big weapons of chaos is delay. Satan does not convince you to quit. He just convinces you to put it off till tomorrow. That's how it works. Uh, Are you not raising anyone up? Is there no one that you're bringing along? Intentionally and routinely. Have you reached back and decided that this is a person that you're going to love and build. And if you don't have one of those people, maybe it's time for you to get one or two or three of those people to adopt a brother or a sister. That's at a certain point of spiritual maturity. That's a big deal. That's something that you have to do, you know. You got you to gotta build a family. You got to raise up It is, after all, a matter of life and death, which is a big fundamental. So let's begin by asking the Lord to speak uh, now. Um, And and I just uh, pray um, a prayer uh, that Jesus prayed back in the day. Um, You know, Lord, I don't want to lose even one, even one of the flock that has gathered uh, to me. I don't want any of you to get lost, to stray off. I don't want any of you to be stunted in your growth. I don't want you to get tangled up and fall and not be able to get up. And the way that we prevent that from happening is by pursuing the way together. Being aware of what it is that we're doing and why it's important and where we're at and what we need to be working on. That's just basic to any big pursuit. And there is no bigger pursuit than eternal life with God. There is no bigger adventure. It's what this life is about. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray that even now you'd speak to people and that you would stir in our hearts what it is we need to be thinking about. And when the Lord stirs something, he points to something that you need to be thinking about. It's not going to be some academic feeling. It's going to come with a little pulse, I think. It's like, yes. It's going to come with with a little energy. Speak, Lord.